You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And Michael Pincus is noticeably absent as he is busy gallivanting in the Southern Hemisphere. And we will be connecting at some point to talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, I wanted to present to you this interview that we did with Randy Ullum of Kendall Jackson. Well, Andre, uh, you've got us another neato guest. Yes, I definitely do. Uh, we are joined by Randy Ullum, the wine master for Kendall Jackson. He's uh, joining us on the line uh, from California. And it's been an interesting year for uh, the people in California, that's for sure. How do you become a wine master, Randy? <laughs> Well, you you study a lot, you taste a lot, you make a lot of wine, and and you have gray hair. Oh, you need the gray hair. I'll never be a wine master then. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, no, I've been doing this for quite some time. This is probably my 43rd harvest in in the Northern Hemisphere, and I've done probably 10 or so in the Southern Hemisphere. So a lot of of years, covered a lot of ground, a lot of cases, uh, and have have a lot of fun doing it. So, a Randy, great team. How many of those uh, harvests have been with uh, Kendall Jackson? Well, with, uh, in California, uh, this is my, my I just finished my twenty fifth harvest with KJ in California, wow. and of course, I with the company, I, I did a, a lot of the setups in um, um, South America and Australia. So I have a lot of harvests under my belt in those places for the family. But uh, I've been with the with the company for 25 uh, in my 25th year, 25 harvests, and next uh, next the end of next summer I'll have completed 25 years. And it's been fun to experience the growth. Wow! All the so goes along with uh, it. is is this uh, is this the I, I guess for for lack of a better term is this the oddest year because of I think Andre said off Mike. You smell a lot of barbecue around, right? Right. Well, it's a. It's definitely was an interesting year for sure. I mean, we've had. Uh, well, first of all, we've experienced all of this before already, but not maybe to the degree that it happened this year. And there are two parts, two two interesting aspects to the harvest. Uh, one was uh, we had this huge heat spike. We always get a few heat spikes. But we had one that went into the, you know, like 110, you know, 110, 115, something like that uh, for a couple of days. And, you know, 105s you can handle with a couple times during the season. But this was right as harvest was on the onset of harvest. And so that's that that's some major heat. And and we so we had that challenge and then recovering from it, and then sort of towards the end of the harvest, you know, two weeks before the very end, uh, or one week before the end, we had these unique fire situations where the one fire started over, the Tubbs Lane fire, which started over in Calistoga, just north of Tubbs Lane, and because of the the fact that it was uh, extremely low humidity, extremely high winds, you know, 50, 60, 70 mile an hour winds, and an offshore flow, which means that it's coming from the dry interior, blowing towards the coast. Um, that that 
you know, any kind of a spark, it just it flies. And that fire started around 9.30 or 10 on a Sunday night, I think it was, and then hit Santa Rosa, you know, many miles away uh, by by four in the morning. And it just, it, it flew by. It create, left a path of destruction. Um, the, and and it, since it happened in the middle of the night, you know, not a lot of people were really aware that it was coming. And then it spread. And we had, uh, and, and it was uh, so much smoke, nobody could really grasp what was going on. And then we had other fires that started from that. The Geyserville fire, which was kind of creeping down from Geyserville towards Healdsburg along the Mayacamas. We had the whole, kind of the one that started in Tubbs also went back a little bit and burnt Mount St. Helena, which I didn't realize, a good chunk of it, the mountain. And then you know later on in the week, we had the one just north and east of Napa. And so yesterday I happened to be in Napa driving up the or the uh, Silverado Trail, and you can see, thankfully, the vineyards are there. The vineyards were the godsend and the savior for so much and so many people because the fires would hit the vineyards and stop 99% of the time, uh, and the same over in Sonoma. We were very fortunate. Uh, we had some you know, fires come right up to the edge of the vineyard and stop. Some folks weren't quite uh, as fortunate if they didn't till the vineyard, which means you know, disc in the dry grass, because uh, if there was nothing to burn, you know, that was dry, then the vineyards were great. Uh, so it was really, you know, a wild period where everybody had to basically stop what they were doing for a week uh, while all this was going on. And it was the very end of harvest. So we were we were blessed because, you know, we were effectively done except for a couple hundred tons, which we picked very quickly from Knights Valley and Napa when we could get in there. Um, but uh, and we were still harvesting, of course, in Monterey down south. So, you know, for us, it, 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 it's not a huge impact, but we actually have some local folks, uh, you know, that lost their winery. Oh, wow. Um, and a few, and 23 families in our company lost their homes. So, wow. you know, in, in these times of, you know, horrific times, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the shining light of it all, if you could say there is one, is how the community just rises up together to help everyone. It's beyond belief. And, and before I start asking about the wine for the 23 families, everyone was okay? Like, there was, I, I don't remember. Yes, uh, they just basically lost their house and all, everything. I mean, the fire came so fast, you, you don't pack for this situation. You run. Yeah. And, you know, people are driving, you know, with embers everywhere, so... But the, no lives were lost in our um, company, though there were some 40 or so lives lost, you know, in the county, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, but it's... in certain areas, it looks really bad. Uh, but we're just trying to let everybody know. Of course, you know, winter is here, and and the rains have come, and the hills are turning green again, and and you know, all the, the all the wineries are still open, and. You know, with open arms, with great wines, and all the hotels and motels and B&Bs are all up and running, and the restaurants are all, almost all of them are fine. I mean, there's a couple like in, you know, a couple that in 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 certain places that aren't aren't there anymore. Um, so, but, so the fire the fires are basically out though now. Is that that my understanding? Oh yeah, the fires are long, oh, long gone. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you said yeah, that in this area. Not now. You look about Santa Barbara yes. and down south. There's they're they're going there, um, and those okay. were heading up towards our vineyards and 
you know, in the Santa Inez area, but didn't quite hit there. And I think they're now somewhat contained. So we're getting it from all angles. And the photos that, that we've seen, the video that we've seen up here, it's just been completely crazy to see those uh, those videos and those pictures. I know you said that um, that, that, your, that Kendall Jackson wasn't um, greatly affected, but was there some impact on, on some of the vineyards and uh, facility that, that uh, you work out of? Well, yeah, what will happen is some of the edges of the vineyards might get a little toasted just from the heat. And, and, um, but what we've learned before and we expect this year, we had, we've had a couple of fires hither and hither throughout the years up in the Mayakamas area. And, you know, the vineyards stop it, the edges get a little toasty, the leaves do, but the vines are very strong and persevere and they'll be just fine. Now, now I remember once being in, in Monterey a few years after uh, a, a fire that attacked some of their vineyards, and you could really get that smokiness in the wine. Um, is that going to be something that affects a lot of these these wines uh, that, that come well, out? The, um, in areas where it was pretty obvious you were going to have a problem, they just were left on the vine. And in, in areas where there was a question, not really sure you know, what, what degree there could be, uh, they some have been picked and, and they're being tested. Uh, you won't find any wines on the market, at least not quality wines on the market, that are going to have the aroma or taste of smoke. Uh, that's a, sort of a foolish thing to be doing. So people are going through checking, tasting, you know, waiting for the fermentations and the secondary fermentations to complete. And there, I'm sure there will be a fair number of insurance claims put in, uh, and, um, and that'll kind of take care of it. Got it. Are we going to see some long long term impact of um, of the the damage from the fire? I mean, beyond obviously the wineries that are that are completely lost, but like as a as a consumer up in Canada, do we have to worry about prices going up or uh, even just a change in, in in the quality of the wine? I would say no, because the you know a, a, a smart winemaker isn't going to um, put in and bottle a wine that has smoke taint. I mean that's just silly. And and the other reason that you know the the, the pricing probably won't go up because it was at the very end of harvest. So most most everyone's grapes were already in the winery. So the tail uh, what a, that. And that was the blessing of disguise actually having the heat in the beginning that sort of accelerated everything because normally everybody would have had more grapes hanging. So um you know, it's not like the whole the whole year has been lost. Far, far, far from it. It was the very end of the harvest. And that that includes Napa, doesn't it? Also, the the fires that were happening in Napa. Right, right. Yeah. And that the same same thing, same time of year. Because so, it seems that Napa uh, was earlier in its harvest. Well, it was earlier. The fires happened earlier in Napa, or am I just? It just seemed no, to be so. No, no, they happened. Uh, it was sort of in the same seven-day period, but they were, the, the southern Napa fire was at the very end. Okay. And uh, and, the, and the northern, you know, Napa County fire is what caused the Sonoma County fire, and that was at the beginning. But it was all within a seven- to ten-day period. It just, it just seemed to happen so quickly. It just it just seems like a blur. It, it, it definitely, yeah. But at the end, uh, you know, everyone is rebuilding. But uh, you are not going to. No one, no one in their right mind would be putting putting this, uh, bottling anything with any taint in it. 
Andre, I like how he qualifies that. No one in their right mind. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I mean, speaking of, of, of stuff in bottle, I, I mean, I appreciate you filling us in on, on what happened uh, with with the fires. Cause like, like I said, like it was sort of spectacular to see what was happening up here, like just really intense photos. Um, but I'm also just taking a look at um, some wines that will be coming out from Kendall Jackson next year that will be available to us at the LCBO, uh, both from mm-hmm. the 2014 vintage. We've got the Vintners Reserve Cab Sauve and a Santa Maria Chardonnay. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, 2014 vintage? And if I'm not mistaken, that's still one of the drought years. Yes, it is. And so, um, yeah, the drought ended this last year. But um, the so we had five years of drought. But what's interesting for us is, you know, when you think about the drought, we're coastal. All our vineyards are on the cool coast of California. So we do have the some moderation of, of, of the climate. And we do get some rains, even though it is a, a pretty healthy drought. But we do have some moisture from both the fog and a random storm in the uh, in, in the winter. Additionally, the majority of all of our vineyards are either on wells or have uh, reservoirs, and the reservoirs are designed to with their sheet flow technology. And so, whenever any irrigation is put on anything that the vines don't absorb, ultimately below the root zone or in the lower part of the root zone, we have this whole, you know, um, sort of what's called drainage tile, which actually in one case, you know, if the soil is too moist, it takes the water out. But if it's if there's any kind of moisture going down, it captures that and it goes back into the reservoir. So we've had uh, start, and the reservoirs are sized that if the reservoir is full, uh, it's enough water for the season. So we we've been very blessed with having the had the foresight uh, years and years ago to design our our vineyards. It costs a little bit more. Uh, to do this, but but it's, it's it's you can sleep better at night because you're you have the water available for you. Now, in the south, you know there's a lot of wells there, and and so it's not that it, with a huge uh, aquifer. So, you know, we've been very very lucky. Maybe two of the you know hun- of the hundreds of vineyards we have uh, came close to running out of water uh, towards the end of harvest, but really. It hasn't affected us that much, but whereas if you look at the whole state and more like cities and towns where they have these huge reservoirs well, that are going dry or yeah, did go dry, if, I don't know if Michael you know, they're, knows this. They're definitely were in trouble. Yeah, I don't know if Michael knows this story, but in, in 2014, I spent a couple of days in um, San Francisco and I was couch surfing like with someone that I, I, I just met through the couch surfing site and. Uh, we were that's, that's where you stand on a couch and kind of sway back and forth, isn't it, Andre? Yeah, Michael, real mature. Anyways, when we were when we were showering, they had a showering over top of a, a bucket to help collect some of the gray water, and we were using the gray water to flush the toilet just to help, you know, with some of the drought relief. And that's for you know a city right in the bay. You wouldn't really picture how the drought would affect it. And even driving through the the uh, the, the state of California, seeing the um, the almond the almond orchards that were um, heavily irrigated, being Dying. green and verdant, and then just rolling hills of yellow and 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 uh you know stark uh conditions there well that's exactly what i was you know the the effect of what i was trying to explain that the you know the cities and the counties that rely on these large reservoir systems 
be it in the Sierras, Central Valley, or you know, along the coast where they don't have a way, you know, it's, it, they don't have sheet flow technology. They had very little, if no rain. So they're being depleted year after year after year. And people were, you know, they were saying, you do not water your yard. Do not wash your car. Take a military shower, you know, which get wet, turn the water off, lather up, get wet and drain it off. Yeah. Capture that water, use it for whatever. I mean, it, it's it was it's serious serious stuff, and that's been allayed now uh, for a while. But it's not the end. It'll come back and happen again for sure. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting as as well though because visiting the the wineries. I mean, obviously there was a bit of a bit of stress because uh, you know environmental concerns, and I mean you don't want to uh, you don't want to be using water willy nilly in a situation like that. But most of the winemakers I, I spoke with seem very happy with the quality of the fruit, and I mean it's one thing that we forget. Oh, I think, yeah. I think, I think in Ontario we often forget uh, just because of the orchards that we have in our wine growing region that grapes are a desert fruit and they're really quite resilient, um, under dry conditions. Right. Right. And, and they have very, very deep roots and, and it's not that dry, you know, 20 feet, 20 feet down, you know, and back to your point about, you know, the winery use of water, you know, we've been very cognizant of that even, even before the drought started, how can we use less water? And we have ways of cleaning tanks, or sanitizing tanks with light instead of water and disinfectants, uh, or mists instead of rinse water. Uh, you know, the, we've cut our water use in all of our wineries in half, which is a phenomenal. But these are the things that you know people need to be cognizant of these days and, and, and these times. I mean, water ultimately is worth more than gold when you think about it. So, Andre, did I uh, did I read that? Uh, Kendall Jackson just won an award of some sort. Where did I, where did I jog my memory with that? Yeah, I, I think, uh, Randy, you were just presented with an award. It was kind of a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, um, wine winemaker of the year. And uh, we've also been with the wine enthusiast. Uh, we're Americans winery of the year uh, the, with this wine spectator. Uh, we have, um, you know, like number 18 in their top 100. Wine.com, Vintners Reserve Chardonnay is number one. Uh, Barbara Banky, the owner, has been receiving awards. It, it's a, it's a, it's amazing what's going on, and uh, we're very blessed. And you know, we have this extended family of people, you know, working with us and for us. Uh, and, it, and it wouldn't be uh, w- without them that we would not be receiving all of these. We're very lucky. And, and Kendall Jackson is not just Kendall Jackson. You have a bunch of wineries also that fall under the Kendall Jackson umbrella. Am I, I'm correct on that one. More or less. It, it, it's, it's, the umbrella is called Jackson Family Wines. And that is the umbrella that, that contains uh, nowadays uh, what we call Kendall Jackson, La Crema, uh, you know, Hartford Court, Alcance down in Chile, Cambria, Carmel Road. So it's the the umbrella is Jackson Family Wines. And KJ is the largest part, uh, was the original, and now we have probably you know forty or fifty brands under that umbrella. So how many how many acres? Because you had mentioned it earlier of your hundreds of acres. Uh, I, I, that was the quote you said. So how many hundreds of acres does Kendall Jackson own? As as uh, okay, well as as Jackson Family Wines now in okay. California, it's about fourteen thousand or Holy so. Crap. 
and 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 so you know the the majority of those are used for for keychain. Wow. So how many cases of wine do you oversee making every year? A couple of million. <laughs> he says that with a question mark in his voice. A <laughs> couple of million. Is it is it a challenge? All good. The neat thing, the neat thing, you know, you you can you can sort of chuckle at that number, but but what's important to remember, uh, and 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 this is no joke, is that you know as we've grown over the years, we have maintained the small winemaking mentality and methodology in what we do. So as as an example, we make a lot of Vintners Reserve Chardonnay. But it is all well, 95 to 93 to 95 percent barrel fermented in real barrels, uh, French and American, you know, and every one stirred every every 30 days. Uh, we have a lot of small tanks. We as we've grown, we've maintained that small mind, artisan craft uh, mentality. It's a little bit more expensive, but it creates the best wines possible. Versus taking corners as as one as grows to just get bigger tanks and you know maybe not use barrels or use other things and and that's that's really what separates us from from everyone else is it a challenge to kind of keep that mentality going uh you know in in 2017 or i guess just going into the future as as i mean it's getting more expensive to make wine with inflation and whatnot and i mean it's got to be very difficult to keep the quality high while keeping an eye on costs like what i guess what's sort of the, the what's the sort of thing that keeps driving you guys to, to keep that philosophy and keep using barrels rather than you know maybe looking at different ways of doing things well you know spiritually morally ethically it, the other ways aren't right and the wine won't be as good the the since we're privately held and we have a you know a family that that you know Jess was the leader of this until he passed away about five years ago. Barbara, his wife, has continued with this. We're all about quality and all about the long term vision. So if if we weren't about quality and we weren't about the long term vision, it was just make a bunch of wine and sell it as fast as you can. You know we'd be doing all sorts of strange things. Uh, but it's we always want to take and have been blessed that we could take the high road. Maintain that quality, and, and and you know, keep your nose to the grindstone. And, and we are, we we thank the family for their leadership in that for sure. And that's what, again, kind of what separates us from a lot of the folks out there, is is that. And we and we have, you know, the, the majority of all the all the grapes that go into our wines come from our own vineyards. You know, eighty five percent on average are from, and everything we make is from our own vineyard. Which is amazing. Well, as a it gives consum- us total as a cons- control from the vineyard to, to the bottle. Well, as a consumer, I know that I uh, definitely appreciate the quality of the wines because, I mean, in, in a market like Ontario, it can be difficult to get a high-quality uh, Californian wine without having to shell out a lot of dough. And both with the Kendall Jackson and the La Crema wines from California specifically, I find they over-deliver on price. So uh, it's nice to be able to thank the uh, man responsible for for getting at least the Kendall Jackson wines onto our shelves. Oh, well, and, and we thank you. And, and, you know, and one of the other neat things, like as you were asking about the 2014, you know, the Cabernet, you know, that is all from, you know, basically mountain vineyards that we have the saying, mountains, ridges, hillsides, and benches. We, we're not about, you know, high volume, large buried valley floor vineyards. None of our vineyards really are there. They're all where it's harder to grow. You're going to get a lower yield, 
smaller berries but higher quality. Again, that, that long-term uh, vision. Well, I, I can tell you, I can say, don't change. Yeah, definitely don't change. Yeah, why why mess with something if it's working good, right? Exactly. Well, thank you. Well, I'm glad everybody made it through the uh, the fires okay, and I really uh, appreciate you uh, your time tonight, uh, Randy. Uh, it's oh, great. My pleasure. And uh, I just hope that you know everyone up there will run out and uh, buy a bottle of America's favorite uh, Vintners Reserve Chardonnay. And uh, I, I will. I will not. But Andre can buy buy uh, buy my two. <laughs> it's okay. I'm buying my Chardonnay and, in bulk these days. And, 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 and the Cabernet and enjoy it with uh, you know over the holidays. The ca- Cabernet I'm in for, but the Chardonnay, yeah, no, that's, that's just uh, Chardonnay <laughs> is just not my wine. Andre knows that, so he can have my two. I'll take his Cabernet though. Okay. All right. Thanks, Randy. When was the last time you tried our Chardonnay? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Now it's starting. (laughs) Uh, Randy, I'll be honest with you. I am not a Chardonnay person. Uh, It's not not your Chardonnay. It's just not my wine of choice when I go to to have a glass of wine. I have enjoyed your wines in the past. I'll be very honest. Uh, But uh, I I just – that's just not my go-to wine, whereas Andre – is kind of a slut for Chardonnay, so he'll he'll take any Chardonnay and, and bathe in it if he could. Listen, 2017 has been the year of Chardonnay in, in my house, and I don't discriminate whether it's cool climate, Niagara, Oregon, California, Chile, or Argentina, France. I'm, I'm all about it. Well, that, well, we thank you for that, <laughs> and uh, and thank and thank you for the drinking the the reds, the Bordeaux reds, especially. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thanks for making them, Randy. All right. Okay. Well, right. I'll, again, I'll, I'll, you're, you're you're welcome. And it's a team effort. Yeah, and I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure that we're in touch with you if we're ever down in California or anything. Or uh, do you know if if you guys are coming up for the California Wine Fair? Uh, it, I guess it's April. It, 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 yeah, it's April. In, in, uh, you know, I'm not. Sh- uh, well, I'm sure somebody will be there. I don't know okay. if I'll be there. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure somebody will be. And and if you're down here, holler and we can go out and kind of look at some of these vineyard sites. Uh, and uh, you know, kick the dirt, kick the vine, open a bottle, and taste the wine, and uh, in C two, as they say, and, and and you know, we have this another saying that if the vineyard has a good uh, view, it'll make a great wine. We've got some great vineyards with great views. So come. If I hang out with you long enough, do I become a master as well? Yes, you will. Excellent. That's master what I like to hear. Going to be down here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep this short and sweet as Michael is missing, but he will be back soon. And starting next week and over the next few weeks, we are going to have some guest hosts filling in while Michael is away. But to tide you over, we do have some other podcasts that we have been saving just for this special occasion. Uh, just remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, leave a review, let me know what you think about it, um, and even though it's just me, you're still listening to Two Guys Talking Wine, and good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. <laughs>